guilty. That's what the jury said about that great French actor, as Mr. Dave Chappelle would say. Of course, I'm talking about Juicy Smoulier. Gold still boring. The dollar getting boring. Cryptos, a little bit of a hit. We're going to talk about cryptos. Our crypto expert thinks we can break through a certain barrier. We're off to the races. We'll get into that. Inflation is the highest in a generation, even if you don't count mundane things like food because nobody eats, right? We'll talk Bob Dole. We'll talk M&A in the gold space. Congratulations to Great Bear Resources. We'll talk about the Finland prime minister who got caught clubbing with COVID restrictions on. Our leader can barely stay awake. A lot to get to. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 147 of Bizarro World. Nick, how are you? I'm doing okay, Gerardo. I I got the positive test for the uh, Rona after getting double jabbed. So I might have the Omicron, uh, as it were, because that's the one that's uh, breaking through, as we now know. But I'm powering through, getting stuff done, getting ready for the holidays, and... um, well, otherwise, looking forward to the new year. How are you doing, Jordo? I'm well. I'm sorry to hear that the Rona caught up to you. Um, you fought a valiant fight. <laughs> you held out a lot longer than most of us did. Um, obviously, wishing you a speedy recovery and appreciate you taking the time to jump on and, and have a conversation for a bit today. No, look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm well. Um, excited for the end of the year and really excited about 2022. I think... Um, you know, I, I I think we're we're going into a situation where when you look at the inflation numbers, right, and we look at the demand side, the demand side of commodities like lithium, like copper, um, like uranium, and 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 then you you know you you scale that out a bit and you take a look at the supply side and you see, you know, places like Peru, which 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 is starting to see you know, big mines, right? Uh, being shut down, copper mines being shut down. Um, I, I I look around and I see, you know, General Motors is going to invest, you know, something like $3 billion in a US-based electric vehicle battery plant. I drive to the airport when I pick up my 18-year-old from school and I see the Gigafactory and all of these things just make my contrarian heart smile because as we talked about last week and the week before, and frankly, all the past 12 to 18 months, I think we're positioned beautifully for it. So um, long-winded answer, but that's a long way of saying I'm, 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 I'm well, and I'm really excited for 2022. Um, you mentioned being uh, positioned. You mentioned the Rare Earths deal. I mean, yeah, MP Materials has been one that we've been in for a while. You're positioned in some smaller uh, rare earths and and lithium plays obviously and so uh, those are the things that are needed that trend's not going uh, anywhere anytime soon although it can uh, feel like you know it's uh, turning or uh, consolidating or whatever word you want to choose there Um, you know we're well within a, a bullish cycle and there's lots of layers to that including uh, tax lock season, including uh, directional changes in the dollar, et cetera. And we'll talk about markets, I'm sure. But um, all that to say, uh, 
you know, you can consolidate even for uh, months in the commodity space and, and still be in an overall larger super cycle, right? Which we know lasts for, um, I don't know, 12 to uh, 20 some years on the upside. Like the last time they started going up was from the uh, mid nineties and that didn't end until 2008 and lots of fits and starts along the way. So no, I'm with you. Um, yeah, excited about what's to come and I'm sure we'll talk more about it. If only we had the foresight and we're nimble enough to have a promotion ready to fire off about this commodity super cycle and how people can get rich with it. Uh, you know, and uh, across multiple commodities and uh, by following what we're doing with our own dollars. And um, yeah, maybe it'll come out like the week before Christmas, maybe December 22nd. I don't know. Ho, ho, ho. Let's talk inflation. 6.8 increase on a year over year basis. This is the fastest pace of accelerated inflation since 1982. Mind you, as I mentioned up top, this excludes energy and food because who the hell needs energy and food, right, Nick? I mean, why would we want to include that in the core price index? Um, everything is going up. Clothing, haircuts, TVs. Let me get into some of these numbers. This is year on year, by the way, folks. Gas up 58.1%. Nick made money from gas plays. Used vehicles, 31.4%. Hotels, 25.5%. Side pieces are getting more pricey to have. Meat, poultry, fish, 13.1%. Furniture and bedding for those hotels, 11.8%. New vehicles for the side pieces, 11.1%. <laughs> Domestic services, 10.2%. I could go on. Um, I don't see r rate increases. I don't see um, anything other than rich people getting richer. And, you know, you and I had a conversation off air that we'll keep off air. But, you know, it, it, I we've been fortunate, again, that we were positioned well for it. But it, it, it's getting to the point where I'm even looking at some of the, the, the valuations and going, all right, are they really justified and why? But then when I do a deep dive, um, look, the supply-demand fundamentals actually justify a lot of these increases given the amount of dollars and every currency that's swashing around looking for a home, right? I mean, yeah, the 6.8% the number is probably low for reasons you mentioned. Things aren't included um it's a it's a lagging number and we, we talked about it last week how the prices was going to remain high on uh, on the consumer side for a lot of time to uh, come you know specifically to real estate it's yeah it's it's very interesting right um you look at those prices and like you say you, you think about tulips or something like that but then uh, you know you think about like a millennial generation that's got 30 million more people in it than the boomer generation did and you look at the the housing stocks or the housing inventory and you realize that there's literally not enough uh, houses for this generation to raise families in so uh you know um, market fundamentals say that you know price of housing has to to rise to accommodate for that and so uh, whether you own you know land or uh, rentals or second homes or uh, real estate investment trusts or home building stocks i mean there's lots of ways to uh, get into that but it's a it's a very real trend and 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 like you say um it's 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 
justified in, in, in many respects. Let's get into the markets. Uh, gold flirting again with 1800. That seems to be, you know, the, that's the, like the, the thing. That's it, right? Every time it gets lower than 1760, it shoots right back up. Every time it gets higher than 1830, 1835, it shoots right back down. Um, a healthy floor, tax loss selling season is in full effect. I would encourage everyone out there, if you're not already positioned in some of these better names, take advantage of some of these fire sales because there's a lot of them. Silver, 22 seems to be the new floor there. Copper, 428, 429, 430. That seems to be the floor there. Um, you know, I, I, I could go on. Uh, crude oil, 72. And then we got the dollar index where 96 seems to be the new floor there. So I know you always watch the 10-year. I know you watch uh, the volatility index along with everything else, obviously. Thoughts on these, what what appears to me, and again, why I'm so excited about 2022, um, what appears to be the bottom in a lot of these commodities. And again, when you take into account the supply-demand fundamentals that, 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 that we have to look forward to, I get giddy. I get giddy. Yeah, I think you're still uh, in an overall bull cycle for commodities, but but probably in a bit of a, a soft period because of the uh, stronger dollar. You mentioned tax law selling there, and um, it goes both ways, right? I think that um, there's probably some uh, companies worth uh, peeling out of. I'm sure we'll give out some uh, awards here in the next couple of weeks. I saw you tweeting about it. <laughs> Y'all better talk nice to me, people. <laughs> And conversely, uh, works the other way, right? Uh, a time to pick away at um, companies you want to get into that uh, may have bitten up if you have the capital to do so. And um, yeah, look, I think that um, quality assets um, will always rise to the top. Uh, you wanted to talk about, I think, uh, consolidation or M&A in the gold space. And, you know, there was a big deal this week with uh, Ken Ross coming in for uh, Great Bear and, and some people thinking that, you know, Barrick might come into it as well. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, significant premium to a stock that had already run. We discussed a couple of weeks ago. You were buying some, right? Well, I was looking to buy some and I said that I thought I had missed it. And um, I guess uh, technically at the time I was right, it had made its move. But I, I had no way of knowing that there was going to be a 40% premium coming in over top of that. So, um, no, I wasn't in it. But uh, obviously, congrats to them and, and just underscores that um, there's still M&A to be uh, had in the in the gold space. With the price at, at 1800 we say, you know, that's kind of boring. We look at the chart and it's sort of been uh, relatively here and there for 10 or 10 months or the past year. But, you know, that's still historically elevated gold price. And uh, behind the scenes, obviously, uh, majors looking and doing diligence on assets that they want to buy. Look, $1.4 billion and a 40% premium sure isn't boring, especially if a company like Barrick might come back in because maybe they feel like they got scooped and, 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 you know, counter. And there's, there's, you know, a lot of details that we can get into that I'll, I'll save for another discussion. But look, it's, it's great for Great Bear. Congratulations to the, the discovery group led by John Robbins, who has had a hell of a run going back to the bear market. He's, he's been executing and, and that entire team, um, I really like Ken Ross's presence um, in Northern Ontario. There's a lot of quality plays, and I think this is 
going to bode really well for future consolidation and a premium being put on companies that are successful outlining significant resources that have scale. And I think it's going to be across multiple commodity types. I don't think it's just specific to gold. So no, look, all positive things um, on on that front. Um Let's pivot really quick. I want to talk cryptos. Uh, Chris Curl, who's our in-house expert, who is 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 due any day to to launch his service, um, had an article earlier this week uh, that you can you can find all of Chris and Nick and and my free editorials on DailyProfitCycle.com. But he had an article where he thought, you know, if if Bitcoin could get back to that fifty three thousand level, then we might be headed off to the races. What are your thoughts? You still hodling, Nick? Yeah. Um, so it's been an interesting week for crypto. Um, we should probably recap just a little bit because um, things are happening quickly and we record on Friday. So uh, last Friday we recorded and my throat was just starting to get a little bit scratchy. Um, uh, and I was uh, trading like a madman that day. If, if <laughs> yep. I remember yeah. uh, we recorded. I was like buying Coinbase. Um, I was buying the, and had recommended the Bitcoin futures uh etf because uh, cryptos were starting to pull back hard what happened overnight um after i had a a couple of old fashions was that um bitcoin crashed hard i think to to forty three thousand or something was the number and i woke up and i started rubbing my eyes and (laughs) it was sort of right in the midst of that and i was like well what is going on here i wonder how much big of a mistake i made yesterday um, but what I did was I bought some uh, Ethereum on uh, Saturday morning, new money into the uh, market, and uh, I sold some of the bounce on those trades I had made um, on Friday in the in the equities. So like out of Coinbase, for example, because, well, they continue to be relatively soft. So um, I think what you're seeing now is sideways action in the crypto prices and uh, crypto stocks. Uh, trying to find their footing, much like uh, gold is actually at the uh, moment. And yes, if we could recapture that level, I think that uh, you see higher prices um, and people continue to make the case for higher prices in the uh, new year. So uh, for now, I think probably, you know, sort of uh, range bound again, pointing back to gold, like gold for the moment at 1800. Uh, crypto is obviously a bit more volatile and has a larger price. So call it uh, 43,000 to 53,000 at the moment. But um, yeah, that's what happened in the past week. And the answer to your question, am I hodling? Um, yeah, and bought some more, I guess, uh, Ethereum in the, in the meantime. I like it. Um, uranium stocks also seem to be finding the new floor, right? There was obviously a, a really big ramp up here in the past, you know, six months or so, six to 12 months. And then we've had a couple of mini pullbacks. I, I said last week that I was really liking um, the, the the most recent one and close to dipping my toe personally in a lot of uh, these names. I think maybe there's still a little tiny bit left, but at these levels, I'd be comfortable allocating new cup, new capital to to, to, to quality names. I think, you know, I think obviously there's going to be a lull with the holidays and tax loss selling, you know, working its way through. But I think, again, I think Q1 of 2022 is going to be an absolute barn burner in the uranium space. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, uranium equity prices are back to sort of where they were in uh, June. And um, they went a little bit lower after that. And then they uh, went on the, the run that, you know, that starts started to get uh, a larger audience of uh, people uh, interested in the space. You know, I, I don't know if you've seen that chart, Gerardo. I see it a lot on Twitter. Um about like the stages of a, yeah. of a of a mania bull market, and it's you know it's like um, the smart money, uh, the early adopters, um, and then the institutions, and then uh, you know there's like media hype, and it has all these things on it. Like um, we're still in the first sort of like the end of the first third of that chart, right? So um, you said you'd be comfortable allocating here. Yeah, I think I think that's. I think that's right. I was writing about, um, I guess it was Sky Harbor the other day, which had, had run to uh, like 80 cents and pulled mm-hmm. back to 40 cents, right? So there's your like 50% retracement. And so- um, Classic you're right uranium. Right. <laughs> Classic yeah, exactly, uranium. <laughs> right? So like, you're like right about there, exactly what you said. I felt so bad. There was this guy on Twitter um, that said, you know, this was like three days ago. He tweeted, sold all my uranium stocks never again. Right. And I was like, fuck, here's the bottom. And this poor guy probably (laughs) just, he, you know, he bought at the top, got emotional, sold at the bottom, probably hasn't seen a uranium cycle in the past. I wanted to reach out. And then I said, no, I need to mind my business. Right. I think more people on Twitter need to mind their business. But um yeah, so I minded my business, but I, I I felt bad because you know I knew I uh, that that's you know classic again classic uranium classic capitulation. It's uh it's 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 part of the course for that space because of how opaque and how small a space it is. Um, I can't stress enough. It's going to be two steps forward, one step back in the uranium space for the next you know twelve to eighteen months is is, is my belief, and I do believe there's a, a, a mania phase coming, and I'll put I'll put you know I'll. I'll take out my crystal ball and uh, make some predictions and, you know, at the risk of being wrong, which eh, that's what we do anyhow, is take that risk every time we bet with our money. Um, I think we're going to see the uranium price overshoot to the $200 level. And, you know, before it does a 50% retracement to a more sustainable $100 level. But again, we're at 45, 46 right now. There's a lot of money to be made, people. That guy's like Gartman. He's like an inverse indicator, right? <laughs> and, and you got you got to know how to spot those, right? Because there's some people who are classic at that. And so, if you can put a few of those uh, together, have a list, you can sort of sort of gauge that contrarian contrarian sentiment. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna leave Mr. Gartman and Mr. Harry Dent alone. But um, yeah, they're on the list. I just put it that way. <laughs> And hey, speaking of list, everybody that's out there listening. So Nick and I mentioned, and I tweeted earlier that you know the the, the Bizarro World Awards are, are are coming up. I think it's the third annual Bizarro World Awards. And so, just so everybody's absolutely clear, Bizarro World is our therapy session. And a few years ago, we decided that the world was getting crazier and that it would be the best named podcast ever. These categories, we make them up. So when I joked earlier about you guys better talk nice to me in the next couple of weeks, we can make up any category. So what I would love is for listeners of the podcast, the Pauls, the Marks, the, you know, everybody that, that, that tends to listen in their spare time. Um, and thank you for listening. I don't, I don't really know why you listen, but anybody that's listening that wants to, um, suggest a category by all means, hit me up on LinkedIn, send me something on Twitter, shoot me an email. If you have my contact information, we are more than receptive, um, to new and creative categories. Again, 
Hence my warning to everyone, you probably want to be nice to me these next couple of weeks and you might end up with a completely made up category about the snarkiest email of 2021, what it was and who it was from, right? Um, so yeah, food for thought. Anything on that, Nick? No, I look forward to that episode when we get to it and uh, we'll have to make sure to get a list going here in the next couple of weeks. I like it. I like it. Juicy Smolier, the great Frenchman. <laughs> He's not French and his name ain't Juicy, everyone. But it's one of my favorite skit slash jokes that Dave Chappelle had. And again, Mr. Chappelle was early on it. He caught a lot of flack. He was absolutely right. For those who are not aware of Jesse Smollett's um, background, he was a very, very prominent actor in a show called Empire. This was a nationally syndicated show on Fox, um, on the Fox network, and it did very well, a number one show for a lot of years, and he was the star of it. Um, as ratings started to dip a little bit, and as he found himself in a contract negotiation, he allegedly was in Chicago in the winter. I grew up in Chicago. <laughs> I know what the winters are like. Decided he needed subway at two, three in the morning. Um, and, and, and allegedly, um, well, not allegedly, this is what he said. He said that two attackers put a rope around his neck and he said they poured bleach on him and that these guys were wearing MAGA hats, right? So I'm going, wait the fuck a minute. <laughs> I know Chicago. I told my wife this. We talked about it on this podcast. You can go back a year or two and, and, and check it out. Um, I said, nobody is going to be out at two, three in the morning to go get subway first off in Chicago in the winter. Second, this is a wealthy, rich guy with assistance and everything. He doesn't have to go anywhere. He, if he was trying to get something, it sure in the hell wasn't subway. Right. And so long story short, you know, Ch- Chicago police, which, you know, I, I have my issues with, um, just, it's just the history of the Chicago police department. Again, I, I have a co- uh, cousin that's a cop on the South side. I have a, uh, I have a cousin that's a public defender as well in Chicago. So by no means painting with a broad brush, but you can do your history on Chicago police. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they haven't been the, been the most uh, straight shooting, pun intended, of, 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 of professionals in the past hundred years. So when I saw that 26 Chicago cops spent 3,000 hours of time and spent over $100,000 on a crime that never occurred because Juicy Smolier was now found guilty on five counts of telling police officers he was a hate crime victim, telling officers he was a battery victim, telling a detective he was a hate crime victim, telling a detective he was a battery victim, different detectives, different charges, the way it works, and telling another detective that he was a battery victim. When I saw the amount of manpower that they invested to find out what happened to old Juicy, I sensed from the beginning, along with a couple of other people, that this was bullshit, right? And I think they knew it was bullshit. And I think that's why they spent that type of money and man hours in figuring out exactly what it is that happened. And so I hope Juicy gets the book thrown at him. And I don't say that lightly, you know, other than sex offenders, child molesters, and, you know, informants that, 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 that are allowed to commit crimes. I don't usually wish prison on anybody. Um, but in this case, look, it, 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 I actually think the judge said it well. He said, um, uh, you know, accusing someone of a fake hate crime of orchestrating this, um, it, 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 it denigrates 
real hate crimes and it takes man hours and resources from, you know, the investigations that otherwise would be occurring. And so look, I don't, I don't, I don't care if he's white, if he's black, if he's a cop, if he's a nurse, if you lie about a hate crime to try to get your negotiation status a little in, in a little bit more leveraged position, which is what I think this was, is what it sounds like. He was trying to make himself, you know, a victim. Um, uh, he tried to play the race card. He tried to play the gay card. Um, you know, he, he, he told police officers that they screamed, you know, the F word to him and that they called him the N word. And so, you know, just... I don't know if Mr. Smollett, you know, has mental health issues. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, I hope he gets help. Um, I'm glad he was found guilty. It turned out now what we're what we're finding out is that his attackers weren't attackers at all. Um, one of the gentlemen that that was allegedly in on the hoax, not allegedly, he was in on the hoax. Um, you know, he said that he'd purchased drugs and made out with Jesse at a gay bathhouse. And so, you know, it sounds like a relationship that, that was on the rocks and coupled with contract negotiations that weren't going maybe the way he wanted them to go. And those are no reasons <laughs> to create a fake hate crime, everybody. So yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I, I wish him the best, but I, I also wish him accountability like I wish for everyone else. So yeah, I'll put the link up to the story. It's a crazy story. I could, I could spend an hour on this thing, but yeah, interesting. Any thoughts on old Juicy? Well, he shouldn't beat himself up about it. <laughs> I like the double entendre. It doesn't sound like he had to beat himself up. <laughs> Switching gears, my Finland friends will appreciate this. I didn't realize your prime minister was so beautiful. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did not either. That is one pretty woman, and I'm sure she's intelligent, clearly accomplished. She's the prime minister. I am not taking away from, I'm sure, the many other qualities she has. But I, 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 I laughed all weekend long or all week long when I heard that she was being criticized for spending a night clubbing following exposure to COVID-19. So she said she was vaccinated. Um, she and her husband, um, you know, were out and about. They went for dinner. They spent some time clubbing it up. And um, she <laughs> she didn't have her phone or she didn't, she had, didn't have her second phone um, to know that the guidance that was going out for the average citizenry, right, um, was, was, was to, 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 to avoid contact with other people, right? That that was what the prime minister's office kind of, you know, put out and broadcast to everybody. So of course, when they caught her at the club at three, four in the morning, you, you can imagine the, the 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 backlash that she caught. She said she should have used better consideration on Saturday night. She said, I'm really sorry. I say, like I said on Twitter, our leader can barely keep awake, right? So <laughs> if this is the worst of Miss Merritt, I hey, you're gonna be all right, girl. Don't worry about it. Not that big a deal. You're 36. You'll learn. You'll be okay. It sounded like she was double vaxxed, was uh, adhering to the policy she knew that was 
that that was at hand previously and yeah missed a call from her i don't know the equivalent of like i don't know department of state or something like that uh i warned her that she shouldn't go out but anyway it turned into a gotcha moment which whatever i'm not much for gotcha moments but there were some funny tweets just like the don't beat <laughs> just like the don't beat yourself up because obviously um, I, I think not a lot of people, including myself, knew that she was like one of the youngest prime ministers. And like you say, beautiful. So I'll tell you the funniest one uh, <laughs> I saw and then we can move on. And it was that she caused a rise in a lot of Laplands. <laughs> you know what hasn't inflated? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? cost of a lap dance i was having this conversation with my wife the other day i said babe i said can you believe a lap dance is still only 20 bucks like i go get steaks i go get milk i go get all the other things that i really enjoy and i couldn't believe that a lap dance was still 20 bucks (laughs) you would think that that would go up i mean you know disposable cash business and you know labor shortage yeah and then certainly with uh wages starting to go up hopefully it goes up for those girls I, 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 I root for them. <laughs> I root for them. Um, there you go. Yeah, let's see. Who else is being naughty out there? Christmas is right around the corner. Chris Cuomo found a way to get himself fired. Um, we talked about last week the fact that he was advising and, and, and you know, consulting for his brother on how to navigate his sexual harassment charges while also being a very influential network um, you know, host, um, I don't want to call him a journalist, but yeah, yeah. obviously he's somebody that has influence, had a primetime slot at nine o'clock on CNN. We talked last week about the, the, the eroding trust of, of, of in institutions and how they've earned, you know, that lack of trust. And that goes from the media to politicians on both sides, to our justice department, to our law enforcement departments. You know, it's, it's, it's something that's happened uh, slowly. And then all of a sudden, as, as, as a person much smarter than I likes to say. And so, you know, CNN didn't want to deal with the, the, the conflict and the way they reacted was by firing him. The way Chris is reacting is by saying that he's going to seek an $18 million lawsuit for the remaining salary remaining on his contract here over the next couple of years. Um, Alan Dershowitz, who, if anybody has watched any of the Epstein documentaries, should just shut the fuck up, um, quickly came out and said he thinks Chris Cuomo will win his $18 million contract fight with CNN. So I bring this up and I brought the Juicy Smollier case up because it's really interesting to me how much coverage these two situations have gotten and how little Galene Maxwell, that's her name, Galene, did we establish that, Nick? I say Ghislaine, <laughs> but yeah, Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell. Giz, sure. Ghislaine, Ghislaine, uh, Epstein's co-pimp, right? Ghislaine Maxwell, how little coverage that case has gotten. And, you know, um, is it a coincidence? I could put my tinfoil hat on and, 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 and you know, pontificate about, you know, the, the, the number of powerful people on all sides that I believe, you know, are, are, are really vested in, in not promoting this and not wanting people to ask deeper questions. I've yet to see anybody else arrested yet for what was a child sex trafficking ring, an international one that went on for decades. And it's beyond me how that is still the case to this day. 
Yeah, you can uh, tell a lot about the society you live in or, you know, who the true masters are by, you know, figuring out who you're not allowed to criticize. And there's a lot of people on the list and a lot of people tied to this thing that you're seemingly uh, not allowed to criticize. And so uh, the trial is still going on. It's still at the bottom of all the, you know, uh, big newspaper pages that should have a a uh, real interest in covering this more feverishly than they uh, are. Um, you know, there was a banning of a Twitter account that was following the the trial. And, you know, some people say that it was uh, banned for other reasons. But uh, nonetheless, is good fodder, uh, additional fodder to say how this story is trying to be buried. And it seems like they're uh, doing a good job uh, burying it, you know, it, it to your point from a couple of weeks ago, you know, there are more bombshells or bigger names going to come out of this. It increasingly seems like that's not going to be the case. Um, and you wonder why that is, right? Like, why doesn't the uh, the prosecution and the government uh, have an interest in uh, letting that come out? And everyone uh, sort of knows why. And um, I guess those are my thoughts on it. It continues to get less coverage than it obviously deserves. Uh, the testimony continues to be uh, mostly against Miss Maxwell. You know, she might get uh, found guilty, and 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 that's you know probably part of the larger plan, right? Let this die on the vine with her. Hmm. Interesting. Let's switch gears a little bit. Bob Dole passed away on Sunday. I know that you wanted to talk about Mr. Dole. I believe he was ninety-eight at the time of his death. Um, you wanted to talk about Mr. Dole, free lunches and modern ranchers. And so with that, Mr. Hodge, the floor is yours. Okay. So um, I should have prepared more. But yeah, this story kind of got glossed over because they, he died on, a, I, th- I guess it was Friday or, or Saturday. And uh, it was last week and they tried to save the story until the next week. And of course, everybody consumed it on social media and then uh, didn't get as much attention as it deserved. I believe he's lying in state right now or, or was earlier today. So um, yeah, uh, Bob Dole, right? Um Obviously, an old gentleman has been in and around U.S. politics for a long time. War hero before that, right? Uh, Severely injured, didn't have use of uh, one of his arms. Some of the stuff I didn't know until I read the lengthy uh, obituary for him. Um, You know, couldn't shake hands as a politician with his uh, hand. Uh, Couldn't hold babies, for example. And you might not think that's important, but certainly is important Mm. when it comes to the the optics and stuff. And so uh, he did well managing that, lived a hard life, obviously, um, some generational themes in there, him being from the greatest generation, uh, going off to war, uh, getting injured in, in Europe, um, not being able to attend like political dinners, for example, because he couldn't hold a fork and knife. And so um, anyway, I, I guess what I was when I was reading through his thing, it was about how he was a good uh, political negotiator and, and uh, his style of politics as a representation of. Um, you know, Midwestern upbringing and values as a good old boy from uh, Kansas. And then it went on to list some of his bigger achievements. And one of those was getting, you know, uh, free lunches for for kids in, in rural communities, right? Which at the time when he got that done was championed by mm. uh, 
uh, those communities. And this is a theme I've brought up before, right? How something that is inherently good has now been uh, politicized. And so like now that would be viewed as like a handout or something that might not be like uh, something a conservative or a Republican would be in favor of when, you know, lunches to kids or something that is a, a good idea. Right. And so um, and, and I guess I wanted to talk about ranchers because those would be uh, part of his, his cohort. And certainly, you know, modern ranchers um, are, are conservative politically. And I start to think about <clears throat> some of the, the economic situations that they find themselves in, particularly um, you know, beef ranchers and how they, they are and have been getting squeezed out because of, you know, the, the um, oligopoly in, mm -hmm. in, in meat by Tyson and, and Cargill, et cetera. And so um, I, I think that there's a lot of misplacing of, um, you know, blame, right? And, and, and a lot of um, false saviors, right? And so, uh, you know, when I listen to, to these ranchers and uh, their views and, and who they vote for politically, sometimes it seems to me like they're a little bit uh, misaligned on, on, you know, where their troubles come from and they should look at, you know, who these uh, big uh, meat buyers and, and things put support politically and, mm -hmm. and 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 why those strings get pulled so uh, yeah you know there's a lot to unpack there and i might have not articulated that well but as i was reading the the, the thing about bob dole you could see a lot of uh, how the country has uh, changed and and how the the, the partisanship has uh, gotten in the way and obfuscated the um real nature of of of, of what goes on in, in certain things so uh, i don't know um Rest in peace, Bob Dole, I guess. And um, it further represents, I guess, the last point on that is the turning of a generation, right? I mean, he's like sort of that greatest generation that mm. um, would, be, would be four generations ago. And there's a lot there's a lot of that going on. So uh, symbolic as well. I joked about Joe Biden being able to barely stay awake earlier. Uh, he actually was very, very eloquent um, at his eulogy. He said, and I quote, I found Bob to be a man of principle, pragmatism, and enormous integrity. He came into the arena with certain guiding principles to begin with. Devotion to country, to fair play, to decency, to dignity, to honor, and to literally attempting to find the common good. I thought it was extremely well said. I thought it was just on point, and we absolutely need more of that from everyone on all sides, regardless of class, color, politics, gender, how you identify. Um, those should be things that we can all agree to. Um, he, President Biden also shared a story that I found to be pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, he, he recounted a time where Dole broke with his party to keep funding for Amtrak, right? Which Biden used to commute to Washington from Delaware as a senator at the time. And Joe Biden asked him, he said, why would you do that? And Bob Dole said, it's the best way to get Joe Biden the hell out of here at night. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a great story. I thought Mr. Biden was well-spoken. Um, and yeah, rest in peace to Bob Dole. I, I, I completely agree with your sentiment, Nick. And that was very, very, very well said. Well, thanks.
What are we watching in the market next week? Uh, peak of tax law selling season. We got another week and a half or two, and then, and then we're pretty much done with it right until the new year. Yeah, it's definitely uh, getting peak of tax law season out there. Um, uh, it might have already peaked. Uh, I see a little bit of dry volume out there. Maybe that's, you know, people getting settled into the holiday season. But um, yeah, whipping the portfolio into shape for the end of the year, cutting loose the uh, names that need to be cut loose and buying more of the names that need to be uh, bought more of. Uh, I should mention cannabis, I guess. Um, which has had a really rough go of it and, and has sold off hard here until the end of the year. Doesn't look like uh, the Safe Banking Act is going to get included in the um, you know uh, national defense uh, bill, and so that caused uh, further selling, further pain in the in the sector. But um, is right fundamentally for um, good sales and more states uh, to become legal in 2022. And that legislation likely gets passed in the first half of 2022. And so uh, you, of course, have to make your own portfolio decisions as far as, you know, tax loss and uh, buying. But there's some real values out there in the in the cannabis space as, as we get into the end of the year here. And uh, I guess that's what I would mention if you're asking me what I'm looking at in the next in the next week. Well said. Thank you for your time today, Nick. I know you're, you're, you're battling through the Rona. I appreciate it. Take that fucking Omicron. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 147 of Bizarro World. Say something to the people, Nick. See ya.